Welcome to Flock Talk, a podcast of GCF North. Flock Talk exists to inform, encourage, and inspire. This is your host, Dave Farley, lead pastor of GCF North. This is season two, episode two. And I am here this morning uh, with Eric Morse. Eric Morse, welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. So who's Eric Morris? Give us some basic biographical details, family, kids, where do you live? What are you into? Yeah, great. Um, so I met my wife at Seattle Pacific University in 2012. We got married in 2015. Um, she's a pharmacist and enrolled in the Riverview campus here at WSU. We moved to Spokane and um, ended up getting involved with Fourth Memorial Church. And uh, they ended up hiring me as the youth pastor pretty, pretty right off the bat, which was amazing. Um, and so I've been in that ministry for eight years and been doing young adult ministry the last three. So youth and young adult ministry for the last three years or so. And um, yeah, I am uh, one of seven in my family. So big family, grew up in the church, grew up to, to love Jesus and the gospel and, and church. And so for me, it's always been a passion point, but um, things that I enjoy. Uh, me and Dave share apparently um, a love for tennis, and so mm, that's something I grew up mm, doing. Amen, brother. We're gonna have to hit one of these days. So we keep talking about that. I know. So, so who is the best tennis player of all time? Well, I have to at this point. Now that you're asking me, now it's joking. Mm, I I hate to admit that. I hate to admit it too, but it's but true. It, yeah. I mean, how do you argue with 23 Grand Slams? Yeah, but historically, my favorite player was always uh, Pete Sampras. Mm. That serve, that serve and volley was just power. <laughs> and no one thought that anyone would beat his 14 Grand Slam record, and now three guys have smashed it. That's right. Pretty, pretty incredible. How, how old are you? Yeah, I am uh, 30 years old. Oh, you're, you're that young. Yeah. So I, I actually grew up watching Pete Sampras. Oh, my. That's how old I am. Because he, he was in his heyday in the 90s, okay. early 90s, right. mid-90s. So, so you, you've just watched, probably watched them on YouTube. Well, yeah, I actually grew up playing tennis my, since I was like three. Okay. And so late 90s, I remember watching him as a little kid with yeah, my dad. And yeah. even in the 2000s, he played into the early 2000s. Yeah. yeah. And, and you still play? I do still play, yeah. And that's actually a huge outreach opportunity for me. There's a club that you're well aware of, um, Spokane Racquet Club. It's right there on the South Hill. And I've already met a number of guys that I play with every week who, man, talking about Jesus with and yeah. they're excited to hear about a church plant even if they're not Christians. Hey, a couple of them even said, "Hey, we're going to tell us when it's planted. We'll we'll come try it out." So, pretty cool. I I I have found for my season of life that the tennis is by far the best evangelistic outlet for me. Okay. So right now I'm 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 playing early in the mornings with a couple of guys and one of the guys is uh, an ex-Mormon who at this point is I think he would say that he's spiritual, but kind of agnostic. So I gave him Keller's Reason for God. He's working through that right now, which has been really encouraging that he's mm-hmm. actually taken the time to read it. And then uh, two other guys that, that at this point, I've tried to bring up spiritual things and, and there's not much interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the guys, I'm, I'm really hopeful that, that God's at work there and, and that, that he'll come to our church eventually. So as, as I've been the case for you, you've had opportunities between sets, after points, warming up, where you can talk to guys. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the major motivations for me. I love tennis, but also just to go and know. Um, every time I go, there's an opportunity to build a relationship. And uh, yeah, exactly, your experience. 
are they open to spiritual things at all? And if they are, like, hey, let's just talk about spiritual things and see if we can work our way to Christ. But yeah, a lot of them are not open. So in light of this, I think our churches should probably pay for our club membership because we're doing ministry. <laughs> I mean, it's ministry, right? That's right. <laughs> oh, okay. So, um, where are you from? Born and it, raised? Yeah. So I, I'm born and I was born and raised in uh, Medford, Oregon. Down in Southern Oregon, it's like the last stop before California. Yeah. And we got in and out, the furthest north in and out, I believe, at the yes. time. Yes. So, yeah, that's where I'm from. Yeah, in and out is amazing. It'll be in heaven. Mm. Um, and, and then you went to seminary at Southeastern, Southwestern? Yeah, yep, Southeastern in North Carolina is okay. where I went to seminary to get my. Now, now, why'd you go there from Medford, Oregon? <clears throat> yeah, so that's a great question. Um, I actually started out at DTS and did an online program there for. DTS for our listeners is Dallas Theological Seminary. Correct. Yeah. For two years, Dallas Theological Seminary. And then. Um, Which is a hotbed of dispensationalism, or used to be. Oh, yeah. No, no. Yeah. I was, <laughs> that was kind of my introduction. It's ironic how it works. Studying dispensationalism there, or at least the tendencies toward that at that school, is what kind of brought about, uh, uh, hey, is this really what the Bible teaches? Mm. For me, it was kind mm. of like that. The sticking point, and then um, I ended up um, transferring to Southeastern, which is much more reformed. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I ended up finishing there, and yeah, I got got both perspectives, which was really nice. Yeah. And from Southeastern, uh, is that how you heard about Fourth? Um, no. So I actually I did all of that when I was at Fourth. So I, oh, okay. I started okay. I started seminary like a year into my pastor ah. at the encouragement of Keith Krell. Ah, uh, Keith Krell. Mm-hmm. We both know well. Yes. So, so Eric is, is uh, working on his doctor of ministry. That's right. At Western Seminary. Yep. And his doctoral advisor is Dr. Keith Carell, who was right. also my doctoral advisor. Right. And he was a fantastic doctoral advisor. Very, very helpful. Um, and we miss Keith. Keith's now uh, over in Bellevue, Washington, pastor at a big church. Right. But uh, he was wonderfully helpful for me and probably is for you too. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, so why in the world are we talking to Eric Morse today? Because Eric Morse is going to plant a church, Lord willing, um, through Fourth Memorial with the help of the INC. Uh, what, what's the launch date? I know it's the spring at some point, correct? Yeah. So um, we have a, we call it a soft launch and a hard launch. Soft launch is going to be end of May where we have a send off, ascending service at Fourth Memorial. That'll be our last service with them as a body. And then all summer, uh, me and my launch team, we will meet and have services and, and get to know the neighborhood and do outreach, all that sort of stuff, neighborhood engagement, so that um, the second Sunday in September will be our hard launch date. That's our open doors, our grand opening. We're building up to that. So. Very good. Now, I'm sure you've been asked by many people, um, Eric, Spokane has so many churches. Do we need another church in Spokane? Yeah. What, what do you say to that question? Um, so <laughs> have you been asked that? Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's been part of my research. So one of our elders was helpful in compiling some stats, but, um, in a recent survey done of evangelicalism in Spokane or this area, the greater Spokane area, um, roughly 12, 10 to 12% of the average Spokane resident is a, in a evangelical Protestant church on a Sunday morning. That many. Yeah. And the 12 I'm surprised it's that high. Surprised it's that's high. Yeah. 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 I look at that and say that's, that's remarkably low, but I mean, that, um, that, that is super low compared to the population, but I thought it was more like, well, I, <coughs> I know that nationwide 
when it, when it comes to people that believe the things that you and I believe, conservative right, evangelicals, okay, yeah. it's more like, I think I've heard like four to 5%. Yeah, that's probably correct. That, that actually believe cardinal doctrines sure. like virgin birth, resurrection, trinity, salvation by faith alone. Mm-hmm. A lot, I think 40% of Americans go to church, but actual evangelicals, it's a, it's a, a very, very small percentage. Anyway, so 10%, that means there's a lot of lost people in Spokane. Yeah. And then on top of that, just to, um, so what I, one of the things that the Lord did in my, my heart and my wife's heart was to, to to cause a little gospel unrest, um, meaning uh, there are areas of Spokane that are just not very well reached with churches and with biblical gospel centered churches. And so he laid that conviction on her heart to, to see the lost. Um, come to Christ and, and through church planting. And one of the convictions that he did that in my life was just, um, it's amazing, the Great Commission. <laughs> so we, we typically think of the Great Commission as, as purely just a sending missional text, but what's fascinating about the Great Commission for me, the Lord revealed, was all of the elements of a local church are in the Great Commission. Go, go and make, you know, make disciples, that's what a church does. Teach them to observe all that I commanded. We teach them. We raise them to disciple them in Christ and in the knowledge of the Lord. But then also you've got the ordinances. Baptize them. So you've got ordinances. And then you're moving down the list. You have, um, I'm with you always. God's presence with us as the, as the church as we go to do this mission. And so, just, and, and if they're not obeying Christ's commands, part of the Great Commission, the assumption is church discipline. So, so really, you have sacraments, That's discipline, right. yeah. preaching, teaching, uh, and, and you need elders to mm-hmm. yeah. facilitate all that. And he's speaking to yeah his apostles. That's yeah. another aspect yeah. where you get the leadership. So, yeah, that's another good point. But just in all of that, just saying, wow, that's where the Lord really hit me hard, even post-seminary. Like, hey, the Great Commission. Like, I, my primary method of doing that is the local church. Amen. And so for us, um, as Fourth Memorial, I came to the elders and we, we talked about this. I brought this conviction and they were amazing, just so supportive and just said, yeah, we want to see this done. We want to see a new church in Spokane. And so why, you talk, one of the reasons, you know, why, why do we need more churches? So I did a survey kind of of all of Spokane because me and my wife were committed to, if we're going to see a church planted and the gospel go forth in that way, we want it to not have anything to do with our desires, our, um, our kind of um, conditions or our standards. Instead, we're going to remove those, um, and we're going to say, where is there a need? Um, and so what we did is we surveyed the whole of Spokane. We came up with three different areas, um, Airway Heights, um, the Upper South Hill, and then out in Nine Mile. Those are the areas that are in need of some more gospel-centered and biblical churches that we talked about. And so. Prayed about all three of those areas, drove around them, just got to know um, the landscape, the layout, what churches are in those areas. And the area for us that was just painfully obvious, like a spotlight, the Lord just lit up the Moran Prairie neighborhood. Mm. There's three uh, main body um, bodies of faith-based con- congregations up there. You've got United Methodist Church, there is a Seventh-day Church, and then there's the LDS Church. Mm. There's a couple other little independents um, that are just not super well known that I've tried to try and kind of scout out. But long story short, as I look at that landscape, it's a massive area. There's about 10,000 households up there. And I'm talking the very top of the South Hill. And man, it's just, 
it just was obvious that there needs we need a church up here. Um, and that that area is growing too. It's growing. it's pushing yeah. south pretty yeah, hard. Into the Palouse. In yep. the Palouse. Yeah, yeah. And I grew up on the South Hill, so I, I definitely have a special spot in my heart for the South Hill. Although, although I grew up in a very different part of the South Hill. Like a lot of folks think South Hill is all one big conglomerate, but there there are at least four distinct neighborhoods yeah. up there. At least. You've got the Comstock area, you've got Manitou, you've got Lincoln Heights. Mm-hmm. And then the Moran Prairie is definitely more southeast. Yeah. And uh big growing area, a lot of affluence up there. Um and uh it sounds like there's a there's a huge need for an, an evangelical church. Let alone like a reformed expository preaching, elder governed, yeah. gospel centered church. So we're really excited about this. Mm-hmm. What what encourages me the most about this whole situation is Fourth Memorial and Scott Liddell's willingness to send you out. Oh, man. Because Fourth Memorial, as many of us know, is a huge facility. It seats, what, 1,200, 1,000 people? I think, I think the thing, officially 1,050, something like that. Yeah, so it's, it's a big facility. And you're roughly 350 right now, 400-ish? Yeah, I think we're probably three to 400 attendants yeah. and then 280, I think, around there for members. Yeah, yeah. So, so for Scott to send out all those people is, is incredibly... Mm-hmm challenging for me humbling um provoking i mean scott's a very very humble non-selfish non-grasping guy Amen. to be willing to send out his his key guy and key leaders it sounds like he's sending you some sending with you some pretty amazing people yeah that was one of the yeah so i agree with things about scott it's yeah just, i couldn't i can't speak highly enough of him and working with him for the last eight years has just been a delight um i've learned so much from him and want to emulate him still, but yeah, we're going to be taking um, <clears throat> um, two elder families and then a, and then a deacon family and then a number of just different high impact members. And mm. so we opened it up to our our leadership team and said, "Hey, we're all behind this. Pray about it. Let's see what the Lord does." And those are the people that came forward um, and that we we talked to about going. So yeah, we're sitting. <laughs> Scott is sending some incredible people that are going to be huge. I wonder if I'm a high impact member. <laughs> are you a high impact member, Brian? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Dixon is definitely a high impact member. Um, so um, maybe you're wondering, what is the INC? So uh, the INC is the Inland Northwest Cooperative that I started with Kyle Schwann, I think a, two years ago now. And uh, our, the goal of the INC is, is to help uh, plant and strengthen local churches uh, in the Inland Northwest. And we're super excited because um, Eric is our first official church planter to go out. Uh, and to be a part of the INC, each church has to give 1% of their budget to the INC. And right now, I think there's roughly 15 churches, including Fourth Memorial. Uh, soon to be 16 because... Uh, Lampstand Gospel Church. Did I get the name right? LGC. Nailed it. Will be the sixteenth church, and then Eric will give us one percent of his budget for mm-hmm. church planting in the in the inland northwest. And so uh, this plant uh, represents a significant milestone for us as an organization. So we're really really excited about Eric going out to plant this church, uh, and GCF has given um, thousands of dollars to the INC, and I think he, you're getting a grant for the twenty. What's the amount? I forgot. I believe it's twenty thousand per year. Yeah, for four years. For four years. Like yeah, that. so we're committed to giving him eighty thousand from the INC, 
And that money comes, some of that money comes from us because GCF, I mean, not to brag, but we were the biggest givers in the INC. I'm just saying, I mean, I'm not bragging, but we, <laughs> we gave a lot. And I'm so thankful that we did that because um, uh, our money is going to help plant this church. So that means that we, we get to be a part of this. But even more importantly, um, if anyone listening has an interest in joining Eric in this venture, please let us know. How would they get a hold of you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, right now, I would just say um, email is probably the best. I'm not probably going to put my phone number on a podcast. But I'm going to give it to <laughs> you guys. Your social security. Yeah, that's right. You know, All of credit card numbers. I mean, definitely bank accounts. Uh, yeah, just emorse at fourthmemorial.com. So E-M-O-R-S-E. At fourthmemorial, F-O-U-R-T-H-M-E-M-O-R-I-A-L.com. Okay. Uh, and, and also, if anyone wants to give a financial gift to Eric, that would be awesome too. Mm-hmm. So, um, or if you have any friends that live in that area that would benefit from a gospel church, yeah. uh, it'd be great if you could let Eric know. So if you want to give, if you want to participate, if you have friends, um, please talk to Eric. In addition and, to that prayer. Prayer, I mean, yeah. It's, it goes without saying, but it also we're, we're seeking the Lord for some really specific things right now. And so I, I was just mentioning... So, so what are those things? Yeah. So one of them is uh, uh, we're looking for a building um, just to, to rent and to be in. And we'd love to be in, right in the middle of the neighborhood um, to kind of work our way in the middle and then work out and really get to know people. And so that big spot for us is Moran Prairie Elementary School. Um, I've inquired. I've been building relationships there and trying to get in and, and see if that's a possibility. So there and then also Moran Prairie Grange is right down the road. And those are both right kind of cultural artifacts for the neighborhood. and so be great to be in that middle spot, but also we just need a place to meet. So that's one. Another one is um, we are continuing to pray about our outreach and what that is going to look like in that neighborhood. Um, there's a nice big park called Prairie View Park right in the middle, and it's got volleyball court, uh, volleyball nets, and it's got pickleball courts. It's got a Southside Aquatic Center, softball field. It's just a great any, spot. Any tennis courts? No, they're only pickleball. Uh, I know. I'm happy pick about pickleball because people are going out. That's a great social thing. But as a tennis snob, I'm like, but it's not tennis. <laughs> well, it, it, it is a prostitution of tennis, <laughs> as we know, Eric, don't we? It's a sport that uh, anyone could be instantly mediocre at. That's kind of how I describe it, too. I'm going to be honest and say it's fun. but <laughs> It's you know, fun. It's the, fun. The curve for tennis is wild, though. It's, it takes it is. unbelievable. It does. It takes a year or two yeah. before it's really fun. But then it's way more fun than pickleball. Yeah, I agree. So those are some prayer requests, just that we would be effective in that, in that neighborhood and we would provide a building. And then lastly, and this just goes without saying, but we're planning a church to see the gospel go forward. And so we want to see new conversion, um, new conversion growth. We want to see people come to Jesus. And so it's a huge prayer request. Can you tell us a, a little bit about mission statement, values, yeah, absolutely. distinctives? And obviously, if you're part of the INC, you would be very similar to us in theological distinctives and values. But do you want to elaborate on any of those values or your mission statement? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our mission statement is um, displaying the light of the gospel for the glory of God and the good of all. Um, Lambstand, where that comes out of, is the name Lambstand Gospel Church. Um, a lambstand in scripture is likened, uh, there's a symbol, if you will, of the local church, not the global, but the local church. Is pretty cool because in the book of Revelation, um, you have this picture of Jesus right at the beginning, and he he walks shining brightly. Is the picture he walks among seven lampstands, and we know that those seven lampstands are the seven 
churches that John writes to, local bodies. And so it's a really cool picture of, of Jesus um, being the light that shines in the midst of those lampstands. And so I think of also Matthew 5 and, and how Jesus says, um, let your light shine before men. He gives the, the city on a hill, but then he also gives the, um, who puts a lamp on the ground or covers it up? You put it on top of a lampstand so that all can see and come into the house and glorify your Father when he sees your good works. And so this picture of, as a church, we want to be um, upholding and lifting up Jesus in, in the light of the gospel um, as the means by which we do everything and others come in and see his light. And then um, how that plays out is, is seven core values. And so the seven core values really quickly, they kind of they start inward and they work outward. So first is gospel literacy. It's number one. Um, it's really um, near and dear to our heart and my heart that people know the gospel. We're going to hold the gospel light up. They need to know what the gospel is. So literally being able to articulate that in um, a minute or two and something I always use, the gospel hand, really simple way to do it. Uh, Jesus lived perfectly, died sacrificially, rose victoriously, forgiving my sin if I repent and believe. That's one way to do it. A lot of ways to talk about the gospel. But people are literate in that. They know it. But then they're also able to tie their testimony into that secondly. So I know the gospel, and I know how it saved me. If, if every believer, every member in the church has that skill set, we're off to a good place. And then at least to core value number two, which is Christ-centered teaching, something that you and I, Dave, I know are, are very on the same page on, just mm. with um, our, our doctoral program, literally being in Christ-centered preaching and, Amen. and seeing Jesus in all of Scripture, the road to Emmaus, that whole principle. Um, he can explain all these Scriptures concerning him. So every time we teach the Bible, we want to teach, be faithful to the text and the original authorial intent, but also to the, the intent of, of seeing Jesus throughout all of it. Um, so that's our second core value. Number three is transformative discipleship, a transformational discipleship. So um, seeing people, whether it's in a coffee shop, whether it's a one-on-one meeting at the bedside, in prayer, uh, at the park, um, in the classroom, whatever it might be, we're all committing to growing in that knowledge and faith that we have. And then number four is covenantal community. So we want to, to covenant together as members to love one another, to, to pray for one another, to hold one another accountable, all those biblical one another's that, that we're told in Scripture, um, that we might be the body together. And, and there, there's a real, <laughs> you know this, in that covenantal community, in membership, there's a real ownership over our faith as a community, which is huge. And then number five um, is responsive worship. So. And again, we're still working our way out, but in the, whether it's in the worship service or it's at the tennis club, like we've talked about, wherever it might be, all of life is worship, and, and we're trying to display that to the, the lost world, that we worship a God and we have joy because of it. And then number six is um, neighborly evangelism, and uh, that speaks to each and every one of us being, again, a part of that light of the lampstand. Um, that in our workplaces, everywhere we go, we are loving people and we are being intentional to share Christ and to build those relationships that are redemptive in nature. And then number seven, finally, is um, global missions. So um, what I love about the way that those last two work out is the six is kind of for us to do practically, to evangelize practically, but then the last one is we're going to support global missions as a cause. And one of the things that I love that we've been working through as leadership is that means supporting missionaries to go do gospel work, but also we have a, from day one, we're going to have a fund, not just an INC fund, that's a separate fund, but from day one, we're going to have a fund internally that's church, future church planning. So we, we ourselves, as a church planner, are having the faith to say, the Lord is going to 
we're gonna we're gonna be faithful to continue that mission and even save now to prepare our own church plant down the road. Yeah, those are our core values. Amen. Those are um, all exciting. And uh, we can't wait to see what God does as you launch this church coming up here real soon. So if you want to get involved, uh, give, pray, send people, emorse, right? Emorse at fourthmemorial.com. Emorse at fourthmemorial.com. Well, thanks for listening to Flock Talk, a ministry of GCF North. GCF North exists to glorify God through gospel-centered worship, discipleship, and evangelism. To learn more, go to our website, gcfnorthspokane.org. Until next time. Thanks.